Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Lee Pace on theater, Marvel movies, and his new film, Driven. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Yes, Mr. Lee Pace, that tall drink of water that is Lee Pace, returns to the podcast today. And it's been quite a while. It's been, I think, basically five years. He was one of the first guests, actually, on the podcast, if you want to go way back into the archives. Well, Lee... All six, five of him has been working a lot in the last five years. He's obviously been a, a key component of the Marvel universe as Ronan the Accuser, but he you know, did a couple seasons of Halt and Catch Fire, the Hobbit films, um, way back when, you know him from Pushing Daisies. But you know, in recent years, I've seen him especially um, do some amazing work on the stage here in New York. He's, he's just a, a, a fantastic actor. Last year, he was in the phenomenal production of Angels in America as Joe Pitt. Uh, what an undertaking by the, that entire cast, and Lee was excellent in it. Um, so really thrilled to have Lee on to always talk acting and theater and film. He's, you know, a kindred spirit. He's, he's, he's a smart one and, and, a, and a talented fellow and just a, always a delight to talk to. So thrilled to have him on the podcast as always. His new film, I should mention, is called Driven. It is the uh, true-ish story, based on, on true events, of uh, John DeLorean, who you may know as the uh, famous, some, sometimes infamous perhaps, uh, creator of the DeLorean car, car designer, um, kind of an icon in his own right. Uh, way back when, you know, I think of, of course, the DeLorean from Back to the Future, but he was much more than that, including getting caught up in, in a kind of a crazy uh, drug smuggling scandal that uh, kind of undid his career. Uh, it's a fascinating, funny, dramatic, it's kind of a blend of a lot of cool different genres story. Uh, Lee plays John DeLorean, and he's alongside uh, a great uh, stellar cast of actors, Jason Sudeikis, Judy Greer, Corey Stoll. Uh, a really fun uh, movie worth checking out. I, I highly recommend it. I saw it a year ago, actually, at the Toronto Film Festival, and it, it's finally getting the, the release it deserves. It's in theaters August 16th. It's on digital and on demand August 16th, so you have no excuse. Find it at home. Go out and see it in a theater. Support good things. The movie is driven. Uh, other than that, what else to mention? Well, uh, I caught up with our old good buddy, Tom Hiddleston for MTV. Yes, so that's an on-camera interview. We just dropped it the other day, getting some really nice feedback from you guys out there. Uh, it's um, you know, it's always always fantastic to talk to Tom. I've been talking to him for nine years now. Uh, met him way back when at the 2010 Comic Con when they trotted out the Thor cast. I met Hemsworth and the whole gang, and I, I you know, <laughs> it's cliche to say, but I knew it. I knew it from the start when I met Tom that. Uh, that he was someone that I would get along with, but he was also just charming and talented and interesting. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I'm, you know, lucky enough to, to call him an acquaintance and, an, and a friend and a kind of a, a work colleague in a weird way. He's done plenty of my, my sketches over the years, the podcast and, and, and now this, this new edition of a, a series we're called calling personal space, which is kind of our, our intimate, um, full-on like video interview uh, franchise that I've been doing for MTV in recent months. I did it with Shia LaBeouf. I did it with Jada Pinkett Smith. And Tom is the latest victim. <laughs> He's currently uh, starring in a uh, 
production of Betrayal on Broadway. It's his Broadway debut, guys. So seek it out. I think it's only like 14 weeks or something. I'm sure tickets are going like crazy. But if you have the chance, get tickets to see Tom Hiddleston make his Broadway debut. Uh, it's Harold Pinter. It's a great playwright. It's a great piece of work. And I was lucky enough to see this in London, this production. Well worth checking out. Whether, you, you know, whether you're a big Marvel Hiddleston stan or not, um, this is a, a great piece of work. So, yeah, those are my recommendations for the week. See Driven. Try and get tickets if you're in the New York area, if you want to make a trip to see Betrayal. And, uh, and also, if you can't see Betrayal, at least watch our personal space episode on MTV News' YouTube page with Tom Hiddleston. Uh, those are my plugs for the week. Of course, in addition, I will remind you, to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy, Sad, Confused. Spread the good word. And in the meantime, enjoy this chat with uh, the great Lee Pace. Didn't you love the, the Fury Road? I loved it. Obsessed. It comes up on this podcast like every other week. It's so, so good. And I heard he was making a movie. It was great. I Remember this band of kids? He's yeah. just so smart, this world he created. Oh my God. It's such a good thing. Well, also his... I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you are, but like his filmography is amazing. Yeah. The kind of the and his diverse, like so, like Babe, and then Babe, uh, Happy Feet. He did that. Remember Lorenzo's Oil, that movie with like um, uh, Nick Nolte. Oh, um, that's right. He's done it all, and he's a doctor. He's just fascinating. Like a doctor of medicine. Yeah, he was a doctor before he became a filmmaker. He's I'm obsessed. Cool. Yeah, yeah. How cool. And Dune, that's going to be something to look forward to. I know, Denis, right? Do you know anything? I know nothing. I mean, I've, I've, I've done a lot with Timmy, but he, he went off to shoot Dune, so hopefully I'll, I'll catch up with Mr. Shaw. Where are they shooting the it? Like all over? Yeah, they shot like in the desert. It's not like, uh, I forget where, but somewhere pretty out there. Oh. Certainly not in, in Burbank or anything like that. <laughs> and it's going to be a trilogy, right? Or two, two I, They're episodes? definitely planning, yeah, multiple and I yeah. confess, I never... Did you read the book? I never read the book when I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, the book is fantastic. Everybody says it's freaking incredible. Beyond. And I know it's people don't necessarily love that movie. Incredible. But, but have, you seen, have you seen that Jorwaski's Dune? Uh, yes, I have. So that's like... Is the, but, I it mean, ruins this Dune. Yeah, but again, it, that hit me at the... I was eight years old, and imagine seeing that at eight, right? And you're like, yeah. what the fuck am I watching? Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, it's incredible. Um, but I know for the purists, that's not Dune. That's not like... Frank Herbert's Dune. It's just not, yeah, no, the book is, the book is so, I love sci-fi, and that's, and the book is so, like, cool. I haven't read the sequels and stuff, but I hear they're pretty fun, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were one of the, you were one of the early ones on the podcast. I think I was still in Midtown, and this, this office wasn't here, uh, but it's been, it's been overdue. Yeah, no, back. I think it was probably, I'm trying to remember the first thing we would have, would it, it was, have been it was, on The Hobbit or, or? No, it was, I, I can tell you exactly, because I went back and, and uh, looked. It was, um, it was Hold and Catch Fire, Catch Fire, five years oh, ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I think you'd just been, you'd probably just shot Guardians or something, but uh, yeah, it's been fun to kind of like see you every like six months or a year and I see know. what you're up to. It means I'm still working somehow. Yeah. I keep... Convincing people to hire me. <laughs> so far, so good. So far, so good. Um, yeah, are you a veteran of podcasts now? Because I feel like back then you were still kind of like dipping your toe into like... It depends on how much driving I'm doing. Okay. If I'm doing a lot of driving, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. If I'm not driving as much, then I don't listen to, to as many. Um, but 
Yeah. It's funny. So uh, we ran into each other a few weeks back mm-hmm. on the street. I'm always, I'm, I don't know about you. I'm surprised I run into as many people as I do just That's walking. That's the magic of New York. You know, it never happens to people in L.A. because they're never kind of wandering around on the street. Yeah. They've got a life that it consists of everything the they've yep. chosen yes. to enter into their life. This is like I think most people's lives in America right now. They're just kind of insulated. Creating their own bubble. Yes. Bubbles. Nothing. You can't live in a bubble in New York. You can try to, but you will run into a lamppost. Yes. You will get cussed out on the street (laughs) if you try to create your own bubble. It's not. Doesn't work in New York City. I need it. I don't know about you, but I need that. Like I, I fear. I've lived in New York my entire life outside of like a few years for college, and like I need to like collide with things because I fear I would just hide in a cave and yeah, be no, too it's, comfortable and too. It's the best thing about this city yeah. is that like you'll go out to get your dry cleaning or just get a bagel for breakfast and you, your day kind of takes off. Yeah. You run into someone you didn't expect to see. Yeah. You'll get pulled in this direction. You know, it's that's I mean the only way to live. Do you so how often do you get recognized? You're a tall man. You can stick mm-hmm. out from a crowd. Are you mm-hmm. able to kind of walk in anonymity relatively speaking in New York or Sometimes, I don't know, it really depends on the day. There are some days that I get recognized quite a bit, and there's, I mean, most days I don't. Or I'll get like a someone across the store or the movie theater will be looking at me like... That lingering, that double take, that triple take. Yeah, or that like, how do I know that guy? Does that guy owe me money? <laughs> <laughs> and, then you, and then there's just like, did I, Lee running away. <laughs> did, did, yeah, probably. <laughs> do you remember the first time you were like recognized for your work? Like, was that a moment to kind of start to get... Um, well, I mean, I'm trying to think of when it would have, what it would have been because the first movie I did, I looked nothing like myself. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the first time it really started happening was Pushing Daisies because that I really looked like myself in that movie. Yeah, and I on TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was still on TV. Yeah, it's a, and network TV. TV. Yes, yes. Um, is, but so what? Okay, uh, but people are always so nice. I mean, I guess. I mean, the people are just nice and complimentary. It's never weird. Right. That's what they, that's what people always say. It's true. It's like, if you want the hate, go online. If you yeah. want to see like the... You can find it. You can find it. <laughs> if you want to be self-masochistic, go for it. It's there. I was just telling somebody I was in my office recently, and I was just like, yeah, I'll check the comments like once every six months. I can't. That's all I can take. It's yeah. just like... Yeah, no, I don't. I wouldn't no. even be brave enough to good for you to, That's, to, to it, try. It's a healthy. But no, when someone right when someone says something, it always. It, to be honest, it makes my day, and it makes me when I see someone that whose work I like, I'll go up to them and be like, "Hey, I liked you in this." Do you? I do it now because it's like you know, it, it just because you know what it means to you. It's nice to hear. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we 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 we've covered the background a little bit, but I want to fill in some gaps uh, that okay. we haven't talked about before. The important stuff, like when did uh, the growth spurt happen? When did you suddenly turn into? Oh, it was between my freshman and sophomore year of, of high school. Mm-hmm. I really w- went away that summer. Grew so quickly. It's like I felt like my lungs were going to explode. <laughs> Something's wrong with me, stretched mom. Stretched out. Yeah, yeah, no, did, it happened very quickly. I had the same kind of conversation. Gina Davis was just in here, oh, yeah. and she's tall. She's six feet tall for again for a woman that's quite tall. Um, and I asked her same question. I'll ask you. Like, did that have an effect of being like? It can go one of two ways. It can you can feel like the odd person out and suddenly feel like the spotlight's on you and feel like awkward, or you can kind of own it and be like, oh wait, this is. Kind to of be cool. honest, I don't even notice it really. But, but I. That but that I. Then, do you remember? Was it? 
I mean, there, you know, some days I probably thought it was pretty cool, but most, most time when I look at pictures of myself back then, I'm always like hunched over like this, trying to still to, learning how to, to live in your body perhaps. Yeah. But also it's like you, I, I noticed that I, I don't hear very well. And so I, I am always kind of like going like this just to, well, no, in your later years, you're going to have some kind of like scoliosis because of us all know, short people that you've been kind of. <laughs> Yeah, but I do. I, I hunch to more more than I would like. I wish I would stand up straight. Do you ever work with actors that are as tall or taller than you? Um, there aren't many, probably. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think. I'm sure I have. Yeah, on The Hobbit, absolutely. Right. Absolutely, there were. I mean, I remember there was the guy who played Ian's body double. Uh-huh. Paul was like massive. Really? Yeah. Um, okay, so then going back, um, first actors that you looked up to who were the uh, and not literally we're off the height thing but who the first actors that well, you Ian McKellen really? always yeah well from yeah. what like what, what have you seen him in well that I remember mostly because I would because I was such a theater nerd in high school yeah I would see um pictures of him and Judy Dench in Macbeth a production that I never would have seen yeah and I still remember that <laughs> I remember like seeing the two of them looking like proper actors wow um and that was right around the time that his Richard III movie had come out. I like, that, yeah. what an incredible movie that was. Yeah. Wait, did he direct um, that or someone? No, it was no, like Richard Longcrane. I remember now. Yeah, it's all coming back to me. Yeah, yeah but it was, I mean, yeah. And then, like, that was around the time of Gods and Monsters. Yep. And so, yeah, Ian McKellen has always been, was early on someone I was like, he's incredible. So apropos and, to... And such a chameleon, too. And oh, so my. then to get to meet him and work with him... On the Hobbit was just like I couldn't believe my luck. What's what, what's he like on set? He seems like such a gentle, fun, kind of mischievous kind of soul. All of those things, right? Yeah, gentle, fun, mischievous. I mean, you laugh so hard with him on set because he's, you know, he's got such a great wily sense of humor. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he seems kind of the model in many ways. Like professionally, certainly he's as great as they come. Yeah. But also, just seems so comfortable in his own skin. And just like enjoys his life, he's still like I don't know how old he is, but he's like still at the peak of his faculties, yeah. seemingly still doing stage work. Like it's that's the life you want. He's an icon. He's an icon, and he's also. But like I remember on set, what I remember kind of watching him because you would. I remember thinking, oh, he's just gonna. It's all gonna be cake to him. Mm. But he takes the work so seriously. Yeah, he was digging into it. He was. He's like I. You know, there's I. I. You know, he puts himself in the fire with yeah. it, and that's and that's you know. I mean, that's admirable. That's fearless. Yeah. You know. So you, you know, as I alluded to before, you're, New York, you're a New Yorker. You've mm-hmm. lived most of your life here now. I mean, since you graduated, since you went to Juilliard. Mm-hmm. Um, what, it, like, what, did you kind of daydream in high school or earlier about, like, what a life would be like living in New York? Was that, like, and where was that from? Was it from TV or film, from friends or family? I remember the first or? time I came to New York, like, because I flew into LaGuardia and I took a taxi to where I went to school. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember thinking it looked like Sesame Street. <laughs> that was my first impression of, of what the city was. Because I, I, my imagination of places before I actually go to them are, you know, they're not very reliable for what they will actually be. Mm-hmm. But it was, I remember thinking, this looks just like Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> Did it feel like home when you, when you got here? Did it feel like... I was so excited to be here. Yeah. I was just like 17 and thrilled. 
yeah. Just so, so, so excited to be here. But for them, for the next four years, I didn't really get out much because we well, you were, were just, hardcore Juilliard's. Yeah, legit. You're in we it. would just be like on the plaza right outside the school, right in Lincoln Center, there talking about Shakespeare and Chekhov all the time. That's what my lifestyle was. <laughs> in did, those days. did you have to do? Uh, did you have to work while you were in school, or were you able to kind of just do the? No, we, you could. There was no way to work. While you, a, I mean, I worked during the summers, yeah. but um, but there was no way to work while being in school because it was just we would start classes at nine and then you would have rehearsal until about 11 o'clock at night right. so it was pretty full um I, I feel like in my fourth year i managed to squeeze a job in um towards the end of the fourth year but yeah, yeah. so you know it, it's it's a rarefied air when you can like live the life you kind of dream of and it, in many ways it seems like you are living that life which is pretty awesome between the theater yeah. work and the film work and you have like I feel like you have like the right amount of fame and the right amount of opportunity like i mean there's always more you want but like you're in a you're in a good spot you're living a good it's life nice to hear thank you i appreciate that you're really putting it all in perspective <laughs> yeah. thank be you. happy Lee. be happy things are going well i guess my question is yeah, let's take a moment to revel in this. Like, are there, like, aspects of your life that surpass even what the dream was? I mean, I was looking, like, at, like, interviews you've done in the last couple of years, and it seems like you're, like, friendly with Jessica Lang. Like, how can you even yeah. conceive of, like, you know... An, yeah, you talk know what about, I mean? like, uh, I never expected that. I wouldn't have expected that. And let me just say, she is the coolest <laughs> person alive. The coolest person. So, so, like, chill and, like, cool. I mean, are, the, are those are, are those the parts of your life that kind of are the pinch me moments where like you befriend like in a legitimate way people that you had on a pedestal or is I it... mean I guess yeah like if I if I were to talk to me back when I was in high school um, I would think that success meant one thing but now looking back I would have to say absolutely it's the getting to meet the people I've gotten the, the chance to meet and yeah. get to know absolutely because it's I mean what is it if you're not sharing it with people that are interesting and cool and add to the experience yeah. of life really, you know? And apropos of that, like, you know, you, you've done a tremendous amount of theater. You're going to always clearly go mm -hmm. back to the theater, especially here in New York. And we always hear about, you know, the, the theater community. And I want to know, like, what, what, what does that mean in practic practical terms? Like, what, when you think of, like, the theater community in New York, does that mean there's, like, a communal spirit where people are cheering each other on? Does that mean you're hanging out at Sardi's every night? Like, what's going like, what is They the sometimes cheer each other on, <laughs> but then they sometimes don't. There must, there must be less backstabbing than in, in film or TV in L.A., you would think. Or no. I, well, it's a smaller community. Yes. Because I, I, when I think about the New York theater community, I don't just think it's the people who are making the plays and writing the plays it's right. that audience sure that audience of people that sees everything yep. that's on stage that year and they have opinions about the actors they've watched actors grow i mean i i mean i feel you know part of that audience so it's like i you know i'm gonna go see see wall of life later tonight oh, i and, just saw it the other night oh is it how is it it's great it's oh good yeah, i'm yeah, really yeah. excited about it yeah. but i'm just so it's tom sturge i've loved everything i've seen him on stage and i just find him so compelling Totally I've agree. never met him, but I find him so dangerous and compelling and fascinating. So I'm, you know, and I remember those performances. Yeah. You re I feel like I remember theatrical performances much more detailed, more clearly than I remember film performances. It makes sense. I mean, you're part of it. You're, you're breathing the air. It's, it, there's a tangible quality to it. What are the ones yeah. that, that stick out in your mind that, like... 
to the state. Oh, I remember to... like seeing Janet. Did you did you, did you Janet McTeer do a Doll's House? I never saw that production, but everyone talks about she's like one of those like that. It always, was incredible. Yeah. It was just like it was just so fun and thrilling to watch. And it was one of those plays that I studied in school. So I, yeah, I just found it was she was incredible. And I think it was before I went to Juilliard. Uh, well, no, it couldn't have been. Do you know what? I don't even know if I saw that production. <laughs> see, it becomes like in your mind's eye. <laughs> but I did see her do, um, I saw her do the where she played Queen Elizabeth. Uh-huh. And I must have fantasized about her do, <laughs> doing a doll's house. But she killed it, apparently, so in your mind. That's what matters. That I, it comes to mind <laughs> so as funny. the thing that I remember most. Yeah, I have that. I relate. I get it. Clearly. I get it. That's insane. <laughs> that I would answer that. <laughs> I'm glad you fact-checked yourself. Nobody was going to go back to the tape, Lee, but that's very sweet of you and honest of you to be like, wait, I'm lying. I'm actually lying. (laughs) I'm lying to myself (laughs) and to you. Um, That's how incredible Janet McTeer is. You You don't don't, don't even have to buy the ticket and you'll be talking about that play for the rest of your life. Um, Yeah, no, so, God, I mean, yeah. Well, one uh, one performance I definitely have seen. Uh, I saw you in last year. I, I paid you a visit. Actually, really? was, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was there. You, you might, yeah, you might yeah, remember. I remember. I remember. Angels in America, unbelievable. Uh, I mean, a towering achievement. It's more than a play. It's like it's like one of these things that's beyond. It. I don't even know how to describe it for those that haven't seen it. Most people that are listening to this probably know what it is, obviously. Yeah. But it's a colossal work, uh, and not necessarily. Um, fun for an actor it's probably mm-hmm. as as hard i mean fair to say it was as hard as you've ever had to work it for. was so hard i mean it was just i mean i and i i cringe as an actor saying oh it's just hard work no, it's but, so hard I work mean, but it was to walk in joe pitt's shoes was hard it was hard in rehearsal it was hard like on repeat all week long you know yeah it was just so hard. It was. I mean, it was. I. I mean, I. I, I just. It, it, well, I, I can be. I can speak about it better than, than that. It was exposing in a way that I didn't. You can't anticipate, you know. But it, the play is is so rich in detail yeah. and is so, you know, dangerous. You know that there is no way to to not find yourself in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Oof. he's a, he's a tortured character and by just by sheer the act of being in it. I mean, the, the sheer hours mm-hmm. you're doing 4 or 8 hours a day of it yeah. of living in those shoes. Well, there's like technical things that are stressful because that production was so huge yeah. that it was like there's lots of technical things and yeah. everyone else had done it before but I hadn't. Right. So, I was at a fourth of the rehearsal time, but I also had to just pick up a lot of things very very quickly for an eight hour play but then the stuff that was hard was just the emotional battering that character takes it was just I didn't I didn't see it coming I knew it was going to be a big experience yeah you intellectualized it but the emotion of probably actually going through it is yeah it was just I mean I still I find myself thinking about it the way you're thinking about a trauma that's happened to you And and I and I have to kind of be like that wasn't real that didn't happen to you <laughs> that happened to that that character but it's just the hardest thing i mean what, what that character had to go through it's just the hardest thing anyone would have to yeah to have to really completely change who they are you know when there's resistance from everywhere around him yeah. to to actually become someone else to shed your skin and become someone else um 
yeah, tough character. Um, but very grateful that I'm not actually that character. Did it, did it change you as an actor, you think? Is there anything that you can think of that changes you going forward from that experience? Um, I don't know. We'll see. It was pretty <laughs> TBD. recent. TBD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I really want to do a comedy now. I'll yeah, tell that's you that. the change. Like, I need, I, you need to not live that life for I really <laughs> want to do something funny. <laughs> well, we did this before. Your first feature role was mm -hmm. as a trans character. And mm -hmm. you've, you've always, like, you've done your fair share of queer LGBTQ characters throughout. Is that something important to you to represent yeah. that community you're a part of? Yeah, I love queer people. Um, <laughs> Why not play them? Yeah, no, I do. I think it's yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was so proud to uh, to get cast as Calpurnia at that time. I just found it so exciting because I hadn't seen characters like her written with that level of um, complexity and dignity. Yeah, you know, and that was something I was excited about playing at that time. And must have also. You know, just from a cow's career perspective, it shows like what you can do right off the bat. Like, yeah, it's, it was it, a it, real feast. It was a real kind of, um, like, yeah. Let me show you. Let me like, it's a calling card. Like, I'm gonna, I'll I go to go, places. I'm gonna, I can do I'm it. I'm gonna do like, this. I'm yeah. What, what do you need? This. What do you need? <laughs> yeah. No, it was. It was like I look back on that, and I just and and I think I I, I imagined at the time that they were all gonna be. Characters oh, like yeah. that, that's you the, know, that's the downside. You're supposed, oh, hey, like they're all going to be challenging in that <laughs> yeah. way. They're all going to be like open up sides of yourself that yeah. you didn't know were there. Um, but e but even then, I guess I played characters that have are far from who I am. A lot of times, at every time I look back at the character, I see more of myself than I yeah. expected I would. Yeah, you're clearly talking about Marmaduke right now, the one, that, one that changed everything. Yes, yes, and if you liked. Phil and Debbie Winslow and Marmaduke, you'll love them in Driven. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, you and Judy grew back together again. Did you guys help each other out back in Marmaduke? You're like, let's just get through this together. We had so much fun doing that I'm movie. Sure. Yeah. We had so much fun. It was the first time we'd worked together and we were in Vancouver, which is one of my favorite places to work. Yeah. Um, and we had the best time. We saw such good music. We, I remember there was this one whole scene where we're like arguing with each other, like our marriage is falling apart mm -hmm. and we just acted our tits off. <laughs> and then we <laughs> watched the movie and it's all played on the dog's face. That's classic. As the dog, I like, I love it. I love it. <laughs> makes me so happy <laughs> and it's like marmaduke looking at the cat saying like the grown-ups are fighting oh, no. we're like, <laughs> are you even can you even hear what you're talking about it's just probably like, not oh, it's probably no. like like one of the um That's like charlie brown like wah, wah, wah. <laughs> little did you know you were just the scenery we in a marmaduke really movie gave it everything we had <laughs> Um, I will, I would love to work with Judy Greer on every single thing I do. She seems like a genuinely oh, God, wonderful life force. Uh, yeah. Well, let's talk about Driven a little bit. We talked. We uh, I first saw this uh, in Toronto about a year ago, actually, mm -hmm. uh, when it debuted. I really like this movie. It's a really unique piece of work and a great performance from you and Sudeikis, uh, Corey Stoll, a great ensemble. Yeah, it's such a fun group of people. And um, yeah, well, thank, I'm glad you liked it. So it's one of these things that like. Uh, I've got the Back to the Future poster here, so, uh, so, DeLorean so right now. yeah, so yeah. yeah, so it's obviously for those that don't know, uh, DeLorean, the namesake of that uh, classic car, was a, a very unique character, kind of an icon of the time. Um, 
and kind of a genius, like a like a a master yeah. kind of artist in yeah, a way. Yeah, he, he had he, uh, designed and manufactured the GTO, yeah, the Pontiac Firebird. I mean, he really created the idea of a muscle car, yeah. like a big engine in a small, cool car at a certain price point. You know, that's cool. What's so? Yeah. Uh, I would imagine there's there's a bunch of fun stuff beyond just the opportunity to you know, wear cool shades and tennis shorts and turtlenecks in this one. <laughs> Although those are fun too. Just to hit the highlights. Yeah, just hit the highlights. Yeah. I'm just trying to bring them in, Lee. <laughs> if you want Lee Pace in tennis shorts. <laughs> and then stick yeah. around for the acting. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's kind of, you know what it reminded me of in a weird way? It's like almost like the, like the, the Elmore Leonard like book that was never written. It's like these, all these quirky, odd characters colliding yeah. in this like too crazy to be true, but it is all true story. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's true-ish, you know, <laughs> in a way that I found really interesting and fun. Because you've got the, at the center of the movie these two kind of untrustworthy characters. You've got Jason's character who is basically a, you know, a con man yeah. who is telling the story. So you've got that filter yep. that you're telling the story through. Um, and his friend, who's I, I I don't I hesitate to call Delorean a con man because he's, yeah. I mean, to look at his track rec- record, he's such yeah, an extraordinary innovator yeah. and takes responsibility for the things that he does and the decisions he makes. Sure. Um, but he also thought a thirty million dollar cocaine deal would save his automobile company. And. <laughs> It all, but you that know, the demerit in the personality <laughs> column, but, you that, know but that shows. But it, but what I see in him is someone who just has like a magical thinking. Yeah, has a kind of like, well, uh, we have a money problem. How can we get money quick? Yes, let's sell some drugs. You know what I mean? Well, like, and a uniquely kind of like American story. Like you know, it could be argued yeah. that like a lot of you know the good and the bad of, of Americans is sort of like um, the pursuit of. Of, of of material things and, and status at all costs. Yeah. And it seems like he's like holding on at no matter what, even if it's like obviously a fucking horrible decision to make, like he needs to maintain yeah. the status he's had. Well, there's one, there's one, my favorite line when I watched the movie back at the premiere, I was like, there was this line that said, he said, you know, um, I always lead from the front. Right. And he's about to walk into the Coke deal. And there's just this, this, this level of awareness and fearlessness right. of kind of like, you know, it could all come crashing down in 10 minutes, but I'm ready for it. Yeah. Like, I'm not afraid of it. It's not going to knock me down. I know what I'm worth and I'm unafraid Yeah. of, I'm unafraid of the decisions because I know how to handle myself going forward. And I, I, I like that about him. Yeah. I like that kind of, he's just never going to say die. Yeah. You know, and even after the Coke scandal happened, he, um, he opened this a company to design luxury watches. Yeah. And he had pre-orders, investors. I mean, money was coming in, and he never made a single watch. Amazing. It's and I think he would have, if, I'm sure, if he could have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think it actually came to that. Um, well, it's, it's, a, it's a quality piece of work. And as I said, he, uh, uh, the... Nick uh, Nick Ham, right? Nick Ham, yeah, yeah, the filmmaker. Uh, he did assemble a really great cast. I had it's funny, you know. I had um, this is a tangent, but I just you'll appreciate it. I had Corey Stoll come in a couple years ago when he was like just starting to like he had done a lot of theater, but he was starting to like really hit it. I think thanks to um, the Netflix show, yeah, um, yeah, right. Uh, 
and it occurred to me that I w- that we were like grade school friends, and like he obviously, you were yeah, we were, we went oh, to the same cool. grade school together. He reminded me. He's like, wait, did you go to PS eighty seven? I'm like, oh yeah, hey Corey, oh Corey, <laughs> like That's obviously crazy. he didn't look the same at twelve. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? I love Corey. He always plays such like tough, hard ass guys and yeah. stuff, but he's like the sweetest. Person. He's doing. I just saw it was announced. He's going to do Macbeth with his wife. I think as oh, Lady no Macbeth. Oh no way! Well, I knew he was doing Macbeth. I'm so excited that they're going to do that together. That's going to be amazing. What a dope idea! Yeah, that's. I love that play so much. Mm. I'm so excited to see him play it. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. And it's at CSE, which is one of my favorite places to see stuff. Have you done a lot of Shakespeare? Is that? I mean, not since to, a little school. bit Juilliard, yeah, right? Yeah, but. not since school. We did a Shakespeare every year while we were in school, but I haven't done. Any since I'm out, I'm very ashamed to say. Um, <laughs> what about musicals? You've never, I've, on the corner to the theater list I saw, I didn't see any. No, I've never done a musical either. That's Is that surprising? I mean, do you? I would like to. You sang in Pettigrew, Miss Pettigrew. Yes. I would <laughs> I would like to do a musical, but um, yeah, I just, it hasn't happened yet. I could see you as a Sky Masterson. I could see you as a. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Right. Yeah, that's a that'll that's a that's a good one. I have a soft spot for guys and dolls. That's one of my favorites. It's yeah. in that in that vein of the classic American standards. Yeah, really well, I one. do remember like having getting someone gave me that guys and dolls that that Nathan Lane did. Yeah, I, I went to see that, uh, and it was a famous, obviously, production. It was Peter Gallagher, amazing. Yeah. Oh they, yeah. Oh, that's right, Peter Gallagher. But I never saw it. I yeah. mean, you know, I can, we can put this next to a doll's house. But I had <laughs> maybe that, I didn't either. Now I didn't. I know. had listened. I had listened to that soundtrack so many times, and looked at the pictures on the CD cover so many times that I knew Nathan Lane. I knew what he was right. about. And then you became yeah. Got a chance to work with him, which was, must have been amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so I would. Jumping back and forth. Okay, so filling some gaps in, in the film work, like you know, we alluded to this a little bit before, like when we were talking about Jessica Lang and people you and like Nathan Lane. But like, talk to me about how you quiet the nerves when you are being like directed by a De Niro or a Spielberg. Like, is it just you go into kind of the Juilliard training, the focus that you know your craft? Are you able to kind of quiet the half of your brain that's like? in awe well, of somebody, or what? What happens? I don't. I mean, I'm not. Always successful at quieting the nerves, to be honest. I'm, you know, I mean, but I think the only thing I can do is just be as prepared as I can possibly yeah, be. That's the, that's just, that's it. That's it. Just be prepared and just remember with someone like that, that I'm here to serve your story. Right. That's, that's the only function I have. So the clearer I am about what you need, the better this will go for everyone. <laughs> have you have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet? By the way, no, I haven't seen so it. Good. I'm dying to see it. We just went on vacation, so I was there was not movie theaters where we were. Um, is it great? It's great. Um, the reason I mention it is there's like I think you'll appreciate it as I'm sure you know. It's about an actor, uh, Leo plays, and he's amazing as you could. But well, he there's there's without ruining anything. There is like an amazing kind of like brain freeze like actor moment within a scene where he just like can't like he just shuts down and you just see him. Like go through the paces of trying to like summon the oh. words and he can't and I'm sure you like I'm sure any actor I'm will, trying to think. will watch so yeah so can you relate that to any oh well there was life? yeah when, when we were on stage at Angels I had an early early previews it was like one of the first times in front of an audience in that scene where me and Nathan come back as ghosts yeah. with Pryor yeah. I got my line scrambled and like a line came out early and I looked at Andrew's face and I was like that wasn't right was it <laughs> And he was like, uh, and it messed up his next line. And so there was just like this, 
Uh, Where do we go from here? How do we do this? It's like everything slows down. Yep. Everything gets very, you just feel like all <laughs> eyes are on you and the tomatoes are about to start flying. Reality is like 1% maybe the audience Yeah, like going, it. wait, like, did something just happen? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember, yeah, that was pretty good. Oh, oh my God. I'm going to die. Um, no, but that's, yeah. But never in front of Daniel Day Lewis. You got it. You got it right for him. Oh God, no, no, no! <laughs> thank God, thank God, thank God. Um, I'm trying to think if there were any, you know, really. I mean, no, I can't. You're a professional. You got it down. I'm trying to think. I mean, there, I mean, I don't know. I'm pretty easygoing when it comes to. I mean, I just try to be as prepared as I can. So yeah. if I know my lines, then I know that I can just listen and respond yeah. and. Sounds easier, easier said than done the way you say it, but yes, that's yeah. the baseline for an actor. Are you able to, do you find that like when you're, you're, you're most relaxed on a set is when the best work comes, when you are in kind of like a, or, it's or, or always being on the different. edge helpful or not? Yeah, it's always different. There's, I mean, I feel like for Halt and Catch Fire, for example, that first season, I was not relaxed at all. I just felt very, I didn't understand the character as well as I would have liked, and I... I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just felt very anxious that whole first season. I mean, it was also kind of a, this experience where I had gone from shooting the pilot to doing reshoots in, in New Zealand for the Hobbit and right. then shooting all of guardians of the galaxy and then going back to shoot the whole first season. So I hadn't been home in a year Yeah, and I just, you were out of your comfort zone. You were just, yeah, I just did not understand the character and I watch it back and when I kind of surrendered to that frustration as opposed to being like, everything's fine, I've got it all under control, I'm going to play this guy the way I've seen other guys like this on television, yeah. which I think was the first couple episodes of it. I just didn't like relax into that yeah. anxiety and chaos. Yeah. And once I had, I think I found, you know, I... So I guess to answer your question, it's like always different. Sure. You know, there are some situations where it's imp like I... I you know, like with with Driven, yeah. it was like the actual acting work in it was a dream because we shot it right after the Hurricane Maria had destroyed Puerto Rico. Right. So the difficult things on that movie were was getting water to everyone to bring home right. or, you know, making sure the people had were safe, you know, so... Yeah, suddenly like, the acting seemed like the easy part. Yeah, the acting suddenly became like that was like it was imperative to make everyone laugh. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. To get to to be an entertainer. Yeah. So that it's like it's always just different. It's always the way it's going to be. Well, and um, also people run their sets in much different ways. A, a Spielberg set is run in a much different way than David or Russell or whoever. They yeah, all I mean, with Spielberg, vibe, it was like, such a kind of creative, like confident. Place. I just felt, I was like, gosh, this is incredible. Well, yeah, I'm sure every so... department head is like an Oscar winner, and like, it's just oh. like you're in Kushner writing, and like Daniel Day Lewis, it's like, oh, it's the All Stars. Yeah, but it, Where, but it, like for me, like little me in that, I was just like, I didn't feel as though I shouldn't be here. I felt like, God, what a privilege this I'm is. I'm taking to care get of, to... I'm, like, I just need to keep up. And yeah, yeah, now I just do what I do yeah. in this little bit of time that I've got. Now I do what I do, but there have been times that have been a more kind of, you know, dramatic sets but that kind of creates something interesting too it's like you know when someone pitches a fit and everyone suddenly like the atmosphere yep. lifts 
and there's that kind of like that sense of danger around. Yeah. It's great. Oh, you're talking about Marmaduke again. Oh, oh yeah. 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 I mean, that dog was unreasonable, but a brilliant, brilliant actor. Uh, a couple oh random things that I saw in the, in the copious research. Tell me if true or not. Uh, are you an avid skydiver, Lee Pace? I was just asked that question. I don't know where. Yeah, where this did is you one of those crazy. This? I don't know. It's probably IMDb or something stupid. But like, it, it pops out. You're like, I need to ask about that. Have you ever skydived? I skydived once. So you're an avid skydiver, apparently. Congrats. I guess so. Yeah. Did you enjoy I mean, it? Yeah, I would do it again. <laughs> I would definitely do it again. But weird. I mean, I'm not. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So. Uh, enjoying dance-offs in between takes. Another like, <laughs> yeah, did that I've come done up too? It once, yeah. It's not so stupid. These things, aren't they? Like in the way. Where, of, where it, is that? Where I don't. It, yeah. it probably was IMDb or oh, Wikipedia. Okay. But those are the two stupid but sources. Okay, yeah. Well, I um, I did. Yeah, I did it once on on Twilight. Me and Mia Maestro, because we shot that that whole battle sequence at the end of Twilight. It, right. It was months. <laughs> we were doing that, months and months, and um. And we couldn't leave. <laughs> like, are we in hell? I was yeah, just like, well, me and Mia would go down to um, oh, to to New Orleans. Yeah. We would just spend all of our time in New Orleans, and we get this call like, you need to. We're shooting with you. So <laughs> we fun. would go. To, so, so I think we did it just to kind of have fun one day. I feel like one of my great regrets is like before I knew you, like I did, and like you, had, I didn't talk to you during Twilight, but I working at MTV, I did a lot with Twilight. Like, I oh, yeah. I always say, like, I think I've interviewed Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson more than any other human being on the planet. We did wow. specials and red carpet things. And duh, duh, duh. Like, I'm just like, so like, someone should have, whether it's me or not, which should have done the ultimate doc, book, tell-all, because it was just an amazing part to be a part of that phenomenon from it start to finish. It was so surreal. I mean, I, because I, I wasn't super familiar with the movies before I did that. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, I found myself on set and it was, you know, there are all these other vampires around and, <laughs> and we shot all that stuff, that battle stuff in an ag barn in outside Baton Rouge. So this is like where they, when they're not shooting movies, they're auctioning cattle. <laughs> Something apropos of that. That's maybe. like where, so it's like, where there's basically this big kind of white yeah. mat full of paper snow that they would wet down every day. So after months of this, the, the, the paper would start to mold in places that would pool with the water. So it was like a science experiment. <laughs> you just looked at Bill Condon and be like, I trusted you, man. This is what you... <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. Um, but it's like when I think about like the overhead, big overhead wide shot, it's literally like a Petri dish <laughs> under a microscope. Do you, How often when you've done running the accuser, do you ask the makeup folks for assurances that there will be no lasting damage? to your skin. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I would be like freaking things. out about that. It took for the, when I did, when I did the, they figured it out now, but when, when I saw the black stuff on for yeah. guardians of the galaxy, it would take as long to take it off as it did to put it on. It was like, did you feel like encased in a tomb? Like it was yeah. like a little bit. And sometimes when I would sweat underneath it, it would form little bubbles and you'd pop them and like sweat <laughs> would drip out. See, it's not all. No, this is why you got into it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Were you as surprised as anybody that you got to come back for Captain Marvel? Like, had they hinted, like, we might 
call upon you when needed. Well, we, I mean, or... anything can happen right. in the MCU. Yeah. Actually, anything, 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 anything. So I wasn't, I mean, I was so thrilled to hear from them because I was rehearsing Angels and it meant flying to LA on a Monday. Yeah, talk to me. What was that? How many, did you have to do that a few times? Like how? Oh, well, just once. Oh, yeah, we fit it all into like, for you. like, okay. like one afternoon because I got in okay. around right before lunchtime and then we shot a couple things and then I came in early the next day, did one more shot and okay. then I was on a flight home. They know how to do it efficient. Good for yeah, them. Yeah, they do exactly what they needed. And it was, I mean, talk about surreal to like have, have been on stage with that for all week and then fly to LA. I mean, it was great, to be honest. Yeah. It was just what I needed. I'm sure. Everybody <laughs> needs that in a heart-wrenching, yeah. soul-searching play. Yeah, Go this do a kind of punishing Marvel play. And, yeah. and show up and there's like all my Marvel friends there. And I'm like, hey, what's up? Back in the saddle. <laughs> You know, what's where's been, my mark? What's the what's been the best thing that's come out of your association with Marvel? Is it, I mean, career-wise, it's it's nice visibility, etc. I'm sure you get some cred with nieces or nephews or kids. I'm sure. I would say know. without question the fans. Yeah, it's such a the fan base for those movies is such a cool, committed group of people. Um, and I've been to a couple of the conventions. Right. And, um, and. Just people are so cool about them. They're so knowledgeable. They're just like excited. They're yeah. into the storytelling. They're into the size of that story. They're into the characters. And I get it. <laughs> like yeah. I like it and I get it. Yeah. Um, Whether it's even specifically that or not. When you came in, we were geeking out about all these movie posters. That's why we both do what we do. We we love this stuff. Like yeah. whether it's Marvel or Dune or whatever we're talking or Shakespeare. I know, I know. I like a good story. I like it. And that and that's what's so fun about those MCU stories is that the stories are big. They're like epic. Yeah. And they're freedom and size and expression, you know, and diversity. You know what's fun too? I don't know if you, I'm sure you've experienced this. Like, so I just did a thing with uh, Tom Hiddleston, who's coming to Broadway in Betrayal. Oh, cool. Um, and like, I went to see it in London, and like, I saw like people were there. There were a lot of like Marvel fanboy and fangirls there because they wanted to see Tom, and they're being exposed to Harold Pinter. Cool. Like, like I'm sure that happens. Like, it happened with Angels. I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's cool. You know. I mean, you really feel like. I mean, even though I'm completely buried up and, you know, blue and <laughs> People know. makeup, it's, yeah, no, I feel like a connection with them, yeah. you know, and I feel, yeah, so that's, that's the coolest thing I found about the Um What's coming up for you? Do you have a theater, film, what's the next? Uh, Nothing next really day? right now. I'm kind of just looking for stuff. Nice. I'm, um, uh. Yeah, I've been reading a bunch of stuff, but not really connecting to it. And that feels, I mean, it fe actually feels pretty new. I've always felt like I want to, you know, I don't like not working. And yeah. I, I want to keep on set or, you know, with stuff going on. And it's kind of an interesting time right now where I'm like, well, I just want to take a beat and really make sure I'm connected to the things that I This is a good I do. philosophy to have, I think. Is there a kind yeah. of... A kind of material you're not getting that you wish people would th think of you for. Well, like I said, I want to do I want to do something funny, so I'm really looking for a good comedy, something fun. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like people make comedies like they used to. No, you no. Know? <laughs> like I think, but I think that's large part to the audience because the audience is amused in a different way than they used to be. Yeah, you know, 
Um, I think, so I think it creates uh, like a, an interesting space for comedy. What so. was your, what are your gold standards for comedy when you think back to being a kid or whatever? Like what, what makes you laugh or what made you laugh when you were a kid or even as a grown up? I mean, I did no taste when I was a kid, so no, <laughs> the things okay. that, that okay. made me laugh when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, not when I was a kid, but I mean, a movie that we watched a couple um, months ago that I still think about from time to time is When Harry Met Sally. There's something about the humor in that movie that is not like, it's not shock. It's shocking and laughing. There's, there's obviously that one great moment right. in it. Yeah. But you look at it now and there's, there's like... Um, it's it, it, like it's funny in service of a bigger story. It's not. It, yeah. it, it's people it, talking about real things. It's real relationships. It's it's. You laugh because you get it. Yeah. You're like you're laughing as a kind of like uh, me too. Fuck me too. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. When you're watching it, so I I, I don't know. I think that there's something. Um. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Well, we'll 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 get something funny to your to the the team of Lee Pace. Okay. Yeah. We'll secret that, that out great. to the universe. Um, everybody should, there's humor in Driven, by the way. There's a yeah, little bit Driven of Driven is really funny. Yeah, that was fun. It was funny to make. I mean, gosh, Judy Greer and, and Jason, yeah, when they get going, yeah, yeah. it's like just about the funniest, absurd <laughs> banter you've ever heard. I'm sure, um, I'm sure. But yeah. well, Everybody should check it out. It's a, it's a great piece of work, as always. I look forward to seeing what's next, whether it's on the stage or on the big screen or small screen. It's always good, man. And, um, and yeah. Josh, you're the best. Thanks, Thanks for talking to me again. Always. always a pleasure. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. Ha <laughs> ha